I want to share this uh, evening, same thing I shared this morning about um, leadership. And I think leadership is a very relevant topic for all of us. Um, John Maxwell, the well-known leadership guru, always says that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think that's true. Um, I, think, I think he really has a point. Uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. Recently, we did some training with an organization called One Hope, and their mission is to get the Word of God out to, to children, primary school and high school kids, and they did some research because they work all across the world. I think they started in America, but they, um, I think in 2016, they reached their billionth child with the gospel, which is quite something. So they're all across the world in, in, in many different countries. And they said they did some research in Africa, and they found, because they have this uh, program, Lead Today, which is based on John Maxwell's material on leadership and the qualities of a leader and all that kind of stuff, so good stuff. And, and they did some research in Africa on leadership and young people's perception on leadership, and they found that it was actually very negative. They found that most young people, most high school kids particularly, don't actually want to be leaders. And when they started sort of scratching, you know, to get, you know, beneath the surface and, and try and figure out why this was, they found that most young people in Africa, or many at least young people in Africa, associate leadership with the abuse of power and corruption. And therefore they don't want to be leaders. They don't want position and they don't want to be leaders. And, and you, I suppose you can to some extent understand why that is, you know, why that perception would be there. And... Um, if you think about it, probably most of the biggest problems we face in the world today are because of bad leadership. And most of the inspiring stories and successes and um, things that are going well in the world today are because of good leadership. So leadership seems to be both the biggest problem and the biggest solution at the same time, <laughs> which is quite interesting. And, and that really makes it a relevant topic and all of us lead now you're at least leading yourself if no one else uh, but if I look at us as a, as a crowd you know people who are literate people who are well educated people who have um, many opportunities and are very capable I, I would hazard a guess that most of us lead more than just ourselves we lead some other people as well, and we probably have the potential to lead a lot of other people in the future. Uh, and therefore, it, it's important that we think about um, leadership. So, you know, I want, I want to sort of ask this question, what, what, is a, what is a good leader? What is a good leader? Okay. So I want you to just quickly discuss that, and maybe, you know, I want you to, to sort of turn to each other, maybe in the same groups that you prayed just now, and just discuss what is, what is good leadership, what is a good leader, and then maybe, maybe um, sort of discuss an example. You can sort of choose an example of a good leader and an example of a bad leader, and then what is the difference between them. Okay, so I'll give you three or so minutes to quickly discuss that. Okay. I'm sure you guys came up with some interesting...
comparisons and interesting ideas about leadership. I hope so. Um, it's interesting to me when I think about the Rugby World Cup, which South Africa has won three times. Three out of three. 100% record. When we make it to the final, we win. <laughs> Um, but something that, that struck me sort of as a pattern is not only the fact that every 12 years we seem to win the Rugby World Cup, uh, even though that is true, but another pattern is that every time we, win the, we won the Rugby World Cup, we had someone who was a good captain, a good leader, um, but who wasn't necessarily, in my, in my opinion at least, and I'm no expert, but in my opinion, necessarily the very best player in their position. If you think about Francois Pinar, he was the number six flank, the captain of the the Springbok team that won the 95 World Cup. And he was a good player. I mean, you don't make it to the Springboks not being a good player. But I'm not sure he was the best number six flank in the country at the time. But he was the best leader on the field. Same with John Smith. In 2007, John Smith was the, was the captain. I'm convinced Bismarck Duplessis was a better hooker than John Smith. <laughs> but John Smith was a better captain. And he made a big difference. Same with Sia Colisi. I'm, I mean, I'm not as much in touch with rugby at the moment as I used to be back then. Um, I'm not convinced Sia Colisi is necessarily the very best flanker in South Africa, but man, he's a good captain. He really inspired the guys. The guys respected him and trusted him. And it just shows you how big a difference, you know, leadership actually makes. Um, that many coaches, successful coaches, would choose someone because they're the best leader, even if they're not necessarily the best player in their position. And that just shows you leadership is, is, is important. I remember sort of, um, I was sort of just consulting for a, for a company and asking them this, this you know, do, with a smaller group doing a thing on leadership and asking them, you know, choose uh, from the political realm, you know, choose a good leader and a bad leader and compare them. And, you know, you can imagine they chose Nelson Mandela and Jacob Zuma. I'm not going to say who was the, big, <laughs> the good leader and who was the bad leader in their opinion. Um, and they said the big difference for them, and, and this came up from different people over and over, was the one we could trust, the other one we could not. The one we could respect, the other one we could not. And the reality is you can only follow someone as far as you can trust them. Think about that for a while. You can only follow someone as far as you can trust them. And if you flip that around, you know, with you as the leader, that means that you can only lead people as far as they can trust you. So trust and respect, those are important things in terms of leadership. If you want to lead people, uh, you can, of course, lead from position and just pull rank. But that's probably the lowest form of leadership, where people follow you because they have to. A much higher form of leadership is where people follow you because they want to, because they trust you. So how, how, how do you get to a place where people trust you? And, and how do you decide which leaders you can trust? And one of my favorite leadership scriptures in the whole Bible um, is in Psalm 78 verse 72. It's a, quite a long psalm. Historic psalm about all the mistakes that Israel made and, and that we sh uh, about what we should learn from it. But the very last verse is this one, uh, where it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands he led them. So notice he's, he's talking about leadership here. He's talking about leading. 
Uh, and David was probably one of the greatest leaders, not only in Israel, but in the world, ever. I mean, he was, he was quite an impressive guy. And another thing I want you to notice, it says he shepherded them. David shepherded them. And one of the most prominent models for leadership is the shepherd model. You think about Jacob, the father of Israel, he became Israel. He was a shepherd. How many of the other guys in, in, in the early biblical accounts were shepherds? David was a shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So the Lord is a shepherd. The psalm actually in, in verse 52 says how, how God shepherded his people through, through the desert towards the promised land. Um, you know, in, in the prophetic writings, often God is referred to as a, as a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And in terms of leadership of the church, uh, we're often referred to as pastors, which literally mean shepherds. And, and the shepherd is, is a model for leadership, a very prominent model for leadership in the, in the Bible. And a shepherd is someone who walks with the sheep, who leads the sheep, who makes sure the sheep have, have food, who makes sure the sheep have protection, who makes sure the sheep are nurtured and can grow safely. And it says that, that David shepherded them. And um, the, the essence of shepherding is caring. For the sheep, if you're shepherding sheep, or for people, if you're shepherding people like David was uh, doing here. Caring. And what, what does that mean? Caring means that you are willing to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage those that you lead. You're willing to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage those that you lead, in order to protect them or whatever. And we see this with David, because when, I mean, he was just a teenage shepherd boy. But when a lion or a bear attacked his sheep, he didn't run away. He didn't run away from the danger in order to sort of protect himself. He ran to the danger in order to protect the sheep from it. And that's when you see whether someone cares or not, is when the chips are down and when there's danger. What do they do then? Do they use their leadership position to advantage themselves? You know, me and mine? Or do they, are they willing to disadvantage themselves? In other words, to sacrifice in order to advantage those that they lead. That's caring. Another way of putting it is, um, when you lead, do you want something from the people you lead or do you want something for the people that you lead? And I think that's one of the most powerful leadership questions we can ask. When we lead people, do I want something from them or do I want something for them? And, and we, we know this. So we pick up when someone cares about us. And we know that when someone really cares about us, when they want something not from us but for us, then we can trust them. If someone cares about you, you can trust their person. You can trust that person. We, we sort of intuitively know that you'd, you'd be a fool to trust someone who doesn't care about you, who doesn't have your best interest at heart, right? So the first thing that, 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 that you need to have, um, that a leader needs to have, you want to trust in them, is they need to care about you. The second thing, it says here, and with integrity of heart, he, he shepherded them with integrity of heart. That's, 
that's character, and then he talks about skillful hands, which is competence. So what I want to hold before you is that those three things, caring, character, and competence, the extent to which a leader has that determines the extent to which you can trust them. Okay? So the extent that a leader cares about the people that he leads determines the extent that those people can trust him. Um, And that means the extent to which I, as a leader, love the people that I lead and care about the people I lead determines the extent to which they can trust me. And But caring is not enough. You also need character. It's... um, Sorry, let me just... Fix this. Um, Character... It talks here about integrity of art. Now, integrity is the opposite of corruption. And you'll have noticed, maybe, if you've been paying any attention, you know, in, in the last couple of years, that one of the biggest problems we have in terms of leadership is just that, corruption. So, when you talk about someone who's a good leader, are they a good leader because they're good at what they do, or are they a good leader because what they do is good? I, I remember, you know, having this discussion with that, that group of guys in, in, in that company. And they were talking about, you know, good leadership. You know, these are the skills that can get people to follow them. They can cast vision and so on. They can mobilize people. So I said, well, according to that definition, Adolf Hitler was a good leader. And we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, he's not a good leader. But I said, he did all those things. He mobilized the German nation, and they almost conquered the world. The thing that actually beat them was the Russian winter. <laughs> if it were not for the Russian winter, most of the world would have been speaking German by now. So, I mean, he was good at what he did. So, according to that definition, he was a good leader. The problem is that what he did was not good. You know, it's, I always say it's like a good assassin. A good assassin can be good at what they do, but what they do is not good. So, what I think this scripture is telling us is that a good leader is not just someone that is good at what they do in terms of mobilizing people and get, getting people to fulfill a collective vision or, um, you know, reach a collective objective. They are that. I mean, you need to be that to be a good leader, but you also... What you do must be good. You, you, you must have character. You must have integrity. You must, you must, you know, have a moral campus, the right moral compass, campus, moral compass, you know, the sort of morally sort of be pointed in the right direction and be able to make good, wise, and moral decisions. Have integrity in the moment of decision. And that means that, that your, your private life and your public life are the same. What's going on in your heart is what also goes on on the outside. You're not one person on the inside and a different person on the outside, or one person in private and a different person in public. Because that's the problem with so many leaders today. They say all the right things when they're on the TV, but behind the scenes when no one's watching, they just do whatever they want to do. So, so here's, here's the question, you know, <laughs> Do you follow the Ten Commandments, amongst others, thou shalt not steal? Or do you just believe in the Eleventh Commandment, thou shalt not get caught? Because that's the difference. 
That's the difference that integrity makes in life. If you have integrity, then even if you could steal something and get away with it, you won't do it. In other words, you don't just do the right thing because people are watching. You don't just do the right thing because your reputation depends on it. You don't just do the right thing when it's beneficial. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. Whether someone's watching or not. Whether you can get away with it or not. That's integrity. That's character. And what this scripture says is that that is essential for leadership. You must care. A good leader cares about those he or she leads. And a good leader has a heart of integrity. He's not corrupt. Um, I heard a story once which to me was quite a tragic story. It was a story about a man who, he was coming from a party, he was quite a successful businessman and so on, you know, had a family, doing well, uh, came from a work function, but he was a bit drunk, so he shouldn't have been driving in the first place. Uh, so he was probably going a little bit too fast, and it was sort of, the sun was just sort of setting, it was um, sort of twilight, visibility wasn't that great. And as we're driving through a suburb, a little girl ran in front of him and he, and he hit her with a car. And, you know, obviously he slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. And he hit this girl with a car and, you know, she fell, you know, rolled and fell, fell in, the, in, the, in the road. And she was lying there limp. And in the spur of the moment, I mean, he saw her lying there. He made a decision and he put on his car again and he just drove off. He just sped off. He sort of looked around at anyone seen him and he just drove off. And eventually, to make a long story short, he got caught. And he got prosecuted. And I mean, it was a minor that he had killed. He'd not even stopped to check her pulse and check if she was okay. Maybe she was still alive. Maybe he could have saved her life if he'd gotten out. But if he'd gotten out, he would have had to face the music because he was a bit drunk. And he would probably been driving too fast. And she was a minor. So, I mean, there, were, there would have been serious consequences in, in any case, legally. So he, instead of, he wasn't willing to face those consequences, so he just drove off. And, and eventually he got caught, and he got sent to prison for the rest of his life. And in an interview, he said the following. He said, um, I can't can remember the exact words. I'm sort of paraphrasing. But, but what he said was, the decision to, to just drive off after I hit that little girl wasn't a decision I really made in that moment it's a decision I've been making for years because for years I've been constantly making the decision to get away with it when I could when I thought I could for years I've been not acting with integrity and um, actually you know stealing or mismanaging or stuff and getting away with it hiding it so that when I got to that place my character had already been formed and it was the most natural thing in the world for me to do what would benefit me as opposed to what would benefit that girl. To do what I thought I could get away with rather than what I knew was right. And, and that's the thing with character. Character is not something that happens like this. Both good character and bad character forms over years. Every decision we make either strengthens our character, makes it better, 
more like Christ or makes it worse. Every decision we make, or fail to make for that matter, either is a step towards more integrity or to being more corrupt. And therefore, every decision we make every day is a leadership decision. We're deciding what kind of leader we're going to become. One like David who has integrity of art, or one like this man who hit the little girl and drove away, or like many of our politicians who are corrupt. And then there's also um, not only um, character, not only character, but competence. Good leaders don't only care about the people they lead. They don't only have good character, but they're also competent. And there are certain skills that they've learned. And, I mean, there's a lot I can say there. There are, there are whole books on leadership skills, you know, communication skills, um, how to cast vision, how to inspire people, um, how to do strategy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and all that's on the table and it's valid and it's good and it's all there. But, but one sort of overlooked competence in terms of leadership, it might even be the most important leadership skill that there is is one that is often overlooked. And that is the ability to follow. I think the very first skill a leader needs is the ability to follow. Because every leader follows something. You follow a vision, you follow another leader. So all of us lead, but we also all follow. You follow something. And the better you can follow, the better you can lead. The better you can follow, the better you can learn to lead. The better you can follow, and, and the better you can decide who to follow and what to follow, the more safely others can follow you. And, and, and I think for David, we know that that was one of his skills. Okay? Because he said in Psalm 23, even more famous psalm, let me see how. I think I have it up here somewhere. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to green pastures and all of that. So David shepherded Israel and he led Israel in the right way, but it was because David was following God who was shepherding him and leading him in the way that he should go. And the reality is that not only do those that lead you determine the direction of your life, they also determine your way of life. You follow them in more than just direction. You don't only walk in the same direction as them, you walk in the same lifestyle and way as them. You pick it up. And therefore, the ability to choose the right people to follow um, is a, a very, very important um, leadership skill and leadership uh, ability. And, you know, along with all the other leadership skills, uh, it, and just like character, it takes practice. You don't just develop the skills to lead uh, overnight. 
David, I can just imagine him, that probably the two things that he did most as he was sitting out there in the felt, even sleeping out with the sheep, uh, probably there were two things that he did more than everything else. The one was playing his harp and singing to the Lord and praising and worshiping the Lord and writing psalms because the, the book of psalms is the longest book in the Bible and more psalms are contributed that by David than by anyone else. So, so he sang and he wrote songs. Okay, I mean, it's quite interesting to me. David is this mix, you know. He's a, you know, we have this idea that that musicians are sensitive, you know, sort of creative, sensitive souls, right, Arki? <laughs> I'm a musician too. I also write songs, so I'm there too. Uh, but but yeah, in, in David, you have on the one hand this very creative, sensitive soul, but on the other hand, he's this great warrior as well. And, and so the one thing was he played harp and wrote songs. Uh, worshipping the Lord and singing to the Lord. The other thing was he practiced with his sling. You know, it's just standing out there putting a target on a rock or something, maybe another smaller rock, putting a stone in that sling and swinging it and throwing it until he could hit it accurately every time, over and over and over again. Practice, practice, practice. But the, the thing is, practice doesn't make perfect. You know that, right? Practice only makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. So if you practice the wrong thing, then the wrong thing becomes permanent. Okay? So he, he practiced, and the first, first thing you do is you get your, whether you're practicing tennis and playing your, practicing your forehand or your backhand, or whether you're practicing slingshot, <laughs> throwing a stone, you, your first thing you do is get your technique right, and then you practice it until that perfect technique becomes permanent. Okay? And... It's interesting to me that when Israel needed a leader, they were being oppressed by the Philistines, and they needed a leader who was a strong warrior who could defeat the enemy. And we know the story about how David was the youngest of eight, arrived at the war front. His older brothers, I think his three older brothers, were all fighting in King Saul's army. And when David arrives there, you know, to bring his older brothers the food, lo and behold, there's this big makulu, Philistine, and, and he's a big dude. He was, you know, if you translate the, the, the measurements, he was nine foot six and a quarter. Now I'm about six foot two, so he'd be like another half of me, like way up there, his head, okay? And he's not like one of those thin, you know, scrawny, uh, willowy, you know, he's not like a basketball player, you know, who's, who's thin and athletic. I mean, he was big and strong. Apparently, his spear weighed about, I think, 30 or 40 kilograms. <laughs> so if you have a spear like a weaver beam that's made of solid metal and weighs 30 kilograms or 40 kilograms, I mean, you would need to be pretty strong to throw that thing, okay? So he was like as broad as he was tall. He was a serious giant, a real giant. And um, the, um, David comes there and he sees this guy bellowing from the battlefield, challenging Israel insulting them and say, saying to them, you're a bunch of cowards, you know, and I, you know, insult your God and all kinds of things like that. Uh, and he's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that is insulting God and his armies? And um, to make a long story short, little David, teenager, okay, he was still a teenager, you know, goes out without any armor to go and meet Goliath on the battlefield with just a stick in his hand, a slingshot, and five smooth stones that he got from a riverbed. But he could do that because he had already slain his lion and his bear. He'd practiced 
the skills, the competencies that he needed. And so often we complain about our lion and our bear. Or we run away from our lion and our bear, not realizing it that they're just target practice. They're just for us to practice on. God is, in his grace, giving us a lion and a bear for us to practice on, to develop the skills and the character, the courage, because he knows there's a giant waiting in our future. And what we need to do is not only gain the competence by slaying the lion and the bear, but also gain the confidence by, fight, by winning those battles. And David clearly got both. Because, I mean, he was, he was like serious with that slingshot of his. Um, but it wasn't only the competence of being able to throw a rock accurately and powerfully with a sling. It was also the confidence in the Lord. The same Lord who had given him the grace to overcome the lion and the bear would, give him the, would be with him when he faced the giant. And that's why when he walked out onto the field of battle and approached Goliath, the giant, and Goliath laughed at him and said, Ho, 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 little flea, you know, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. He wasn't shaken. And he said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The same Lord who delivered lions and bears into my hand. And that same Lord of the armies of heaven will deliver you into my hands. And he developed over time by being faithful in where he was. He developed competence and confidence in the Lord. So that when the time came for him to lead Israel in battle, he could do it. So, I mean, what I'm sharing with you is, is very simple. If, if someone cares for you, you can trust them, their person. If someone has character, integrity, you can trust their promise. If someone has competence, you can trust their power. And to the extent that someone has all three, you can trust them to lead you. Now the problem is, okay, let, let me ask it this way. I want you to turn to one another in your groups. And I want you to sort of rate yourself on those three things. Caring, character, and competence. If you had to give yourself a percentage on each of those, what would you give yourself? How much do you think people can trust you? Go for it. So how do you fare? How do you rate yourself? <laughs> the reality is all of us can do better as leaders. Um, all of us have this longing for leaders that we can trust. All of us have this longing to, to have a, a leader that we can follow, safely follow and trust. And for the most part, David was that. He was a pretty good leader. Even, you know, after he'd been anointed king, but before Saul's death, while Saul was hunting him in the, in the, in the desert, he had, he would, you know, people would come to him because he was a good leader and, and he'd be surrounded by people, you know, and he had his 400 mighty men who, who traveled with him in the desert. But, da but David was far from a perfect leader, very far. I mean, we all know the story of Bathsheba. 
Okay, not David's finest hour. He was sort of going, getting on in years. So um, when the army went out to fight a battle, I can't even against, remember against who. He stayed at home in the in the in the in the palace, and um, in those days, you know, the houses were pretty small. So you'd like have a, a one-room house, most people, and then you sort of have steps going up the side of the house, and you had like made the roof strong enough you can sit on it so you you know yeah it's like a stoop you know you would sit on top but it, it was also like you know there was a bit of a parapet so you know if you wanted some privacy that was also a good place so often the women would bath on top of the roof because you know then people from the bottom can see but david of course was on top of the the palace so he had like the vantage points like the ancient version of internet porn you know and so he was like checking out bathsheba and seeing like whoa she's a fine lady you know and to make a long story short, he committed adultery with her, but then she became pregnant. And then he tried to hide it, but when that didn't work, he had a husband, Uriah, one of his most loyal subjects and, and, and followers, one of his mighty men. He had him assassinated. Where's the character? Where's the caring? Where's it now? And the reality is each one of us fall short, just like David fell short. I mean, David fell short quite spectacularly. But another thing that David teaches us about good leadership, about being a shepherd, is that even at your best, the best you can do is to imperfectly, as an imperfect leader, point towards the perfect leader. Because David ultimately points to the true and greater son of David, who is Jesus. And we read about that in, um, in John 10. John 10 verse 11 says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, which means they are also bad shepherds. Okay? Those that don't care, that don't have character, that are not competent. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, when he sees danger coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's in hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Can you see he's talking about caring? The same thing that we got from that scripture in Psalm 78. You must care. And it's, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd because... I care enough to lay down my life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And, and here we see Jesus. We see he's caring enough to be willing to lay down his life for his sheep. We see his character 
He says, this command I've received from the Father. And he has the integrity to see it through, no matter the cost to himself. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane where his sweat became like blood and he said, Father, let this bitter cup pass me by. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus had the integrity to keep his promises to the Father and to us as his people to save us at great cost to himself. And he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay down. This is a choice I make. I always say that, um, you know, the gospel, and I get this from from Tim Keller. He says the gospel is um, the truth that we're so wicked and sinful that Christ had to die for us, yet so loved and accepted that he was glad to die for us. And that's powerful. And he says, yeah, I make the choice. I had a choice, and I made the choice to die for you. Um, and the other thing is, he says in Matthew 26, I think it's verse 53, he says, right now I can ask the Father, and he can send me 12 legions of angels just to wipe all of you out. You guys that want to kill me, I can just wipe you out. In fact, I don't even have to wipe you out. I can call my servants to wipe you out. That is how competent I am. That's how much power I have. And yet I choose not to do that. I choose rather than to inflict violence like so many other leaders have done and will do in the future, I choose to suffer violence. The very violence that you're supposed to suffer, I'm willing to suffer that so that you don't have to. And the thing is, in Jesus, we have perfect caring. We have perfect character. We have perfect competence. And he's the only one in which we have all three of those perfectly. That means that Jesus is the only leader, the only human. So remember, Jesus is human too. Yes, he is God, but he's also man. Jesus is the only leader, the only human that you can trust unreservedly, perfectly, without any hesitation. Because he's the only one. Did any one of you score when you rated yourself? Did you, any one of you score like 100% on all three of those? Caring, character, and competence. Just put up your hand if you did. No one. No, none of us scores perfectly on that. Some of you think like, you know, the person that you're in love with does. But they, they don't. <laughs> but Jesus does. Jesus scores 100% on all of those. And... Here's the thing. If we want to become better leaders, all we need to do is become better at those things. We need to care more about the people that we lead. We need to develop every day more and more character, integrity, doing the right thing because it's the right thing whether someone's watching or not, whether we can get away with it or not, and develop the competence of being a good leader, and that includes all the skills of of leadership. But the best way to do that is to follow a leader who does that. And the only leader who does that perfectly is Jesus. And that's why Paul, the apostle, said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. Because Jesus is the perfect leader who does all of those things right. And the more I follow him, the more I become like him. But even when I'm not like him, I can still say to people, Follow me as I follow Christ. I only imperfectly point towards the perfect leader. And we live in a world that is very quickly becoming very skeptical and even cynical about leadership. 
And understandably so, because in the very connected world that we live in, all of those many leadership mistakes, all of those bad shepherds that Jesus was implying, it's all being exposed. And people are becoming very cynical about leadership. But we who follow the perfect leader should actually be very optimistic about leadership. And even our imperfect ability in leadership, even our imperfect caring character and competence shouldn't be a, a problem to us because we can say even when I fail, I'm pointing you imperfectly to the one who will never fail you, who will never let you down. Let's stand. I want us just to, to pray two things. The first thing I want us to pray, and I just want you to close your eyes and just focus on the Lord and, and just say, Lord, help me to see how much I can trust you. Because right now, you are not trusting Jesus as much as he deserves to be trusted by you. You are not trusting Jesus as much as you should and or as much as you safely could trust Him. And just meditate. I want you to just for, for a minute or so, just meditate on how much Jesus loves you, how much He cares about you, how impeccable His character is, how perfect His character is, how He will not lie or cheat or fail to keep his word for anything and how perfect his competence is how perfectly competent he is as a leader just meditate on that for a moment and think about how much you should, you should be and could be trusting him and then just ask him to help you to trust him more say Lord Jesus help me to trust you more, to trust you as much as I should. anything in your heart, if the Holy Spirit brings up anything in your heart where you're not trusting Him as you should, then just repent of it and say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting you as much as I should. When you've done that, I want you to do one other thing. Just ask the Lord 
Just ask the Lord to help you to, even through your imperfect leadership, to point the world to Him as the perfect leader. Just say, Lord, help me to constantly, through my good leadership and through my bad leadership, through my successes and my failures, help me to constantly point people to you and to constantly with my words and with my life to say, follow me as I follow Christ. the service in a moment but I'm going to pray for us and and then you're welcome to leave but I want to encourage you just to you know the person that you prayed with and and maybe chatted with during the service discussed the questions with maybe just turn to one another again one last time and actually pray for one another just on, on in terms of this thing of leadership us growing as leaders but us pointing to the ultimate leader of Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then you're welcome to either leave or to, to pray with one another if you if you want to. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name and we just want to honor you and praise you, Lord. Lord, we do so much research on leadership, but the best we can do is just confirm what your word already tells us about what good leadership is. Thank you that you your word is perfect and powerful. Please help us to be leaders that care, leaders that have character, leaders that are competent in a world that is very quickly losing its trust and its faith in leaders. Please help us, Lord. And please help us, Lord, even as imperfect leaders, to point, to constantly point to you as the perfect leader. Please help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.